0: Okay, guys, before
1: we get into it, I have an exciting announcement. Next month throughout December, we're running a really cool giveaway tied to the SUP newsletter and the podcast. If you sign up for the SUP newsletter, it is written every day by your SUP host, Elise Morales. It's hilarious. It is the highlight of my day. It makes your sad desk salad a lot more enjoyable. It goes out every day at lunchtime. And now, if you subscribe before January 1st, you will be entered to win an Apple Watch. An Apple Watch. This is huge. We've given away AirPods. We've, we've dipped our toes into a big tech gift. This is it. We're giving away an Apple Watch. All you have to do is sign up for the newsletter between now and December 1st. We're also offering, you can be entered twice if you also give us a review. We're constantly asking you guys to review the podcast. Now we have a giveaway tied to it. If you and review the SUP podcast on iTunes and send us a screenshot on Instagram, you will get a second entry. Again, that's running through January 1st. All you have to do is sign up to the SUP newsletter, Google it, look on our Instagram. We have links for you everywhere. We really want you guys to have this newsletter in your inbox, so check it out. Hey, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. It's Amanda here. Today, we have an interview with Jen Winston, who we recorded with a little while ago, so you might hear a kind of outdated reference to an SNL cast member being fired. We wanted to run it today because we had a really great conversation about – helping our family members and our communities unlearn the unconscious or implicit biases that so many of us have. And Jen gives us some tips for coaxing our friends and families to broaden our perspectives and understand how privilege and discrimination play out in the world around us. So we'll be talking with Jen Winston, who is a writer and creative strategist who runs the popular Instagram account Generous, formerly known as Girl Power Supply, where she posts feminist memes and social justice memes. Hope you guys enjoy.
2: Betches Media presents... I
3: like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. do you like beer, Senator, or not? Um, My party is going <laughs> crazy. Ah!
1: You're the pop-
2: Alternative
3: facts. Oh, goodness. The
1: Betches SUP
3: Podcast.
0: America!
1: All right, guys, we're back. With the Betches SUP Podcast. This is Amanda. I'm here today with Jen Winston. Hey, Jen, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. So, Jen, I guess to just sort of start, can you sort of tell us about what you do
2: Yes, I do the very important art of running a feminist meme account, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, very we important We know a little stuff. something about that. Yes, you definitely do. Yeah. I've seen you, seen you on the feminist internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I run I run basically an account where I document my experience on learning mm-hmm. um, and I do it through memes and things I find on the Internet. It's kind of like a Tumblr, kind of like, you know, I was I've been thinking a lot about how Instagram has like become Tumblr at this point. But uh, yeah, it, it's really about my own experience on learning. And I repost memes that teach me to see the world differently. And I guess I do. I'm, I'm discrediting it when I say that it's just a meme account, because I write. Yeah, I think, you
1: create, you're a content creator, too. Yeah,
2: and yeah. I think of it as a blog. I'm a writer by yeah. trade, so I'm not as good at, at the image as I am at the caption, and so mm-hmm. I put kind of a lot of reflection in my captions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Awesome, so when did you start this account, and what
1: sort of motivated you to to start it, to create it, and then Another question is, how did it it grow? When did you notice that it started to really sort of take off and connect with
2: people? Yes. So I started the account, I think it was three days after Trump was elected. I think we all were kind of grasping at straws of like, what do we do? Like, how do we fix this? Um, And I remember I was like crying on my couch (laughs) as we all were. Um, And I was looking at one of those Twitter threads of all like that was aggregating all the hate speech that had come out like right after the right after the election and I was like oh my god this is so much worse than I thought it was um I being a cis white able-bodied straight passing woman um and so I was like shocked at all this hate speech that was really coming out um and I was like what can I do to help this uh and having like thinking about what my skills are I'm really good at social media. I always have been to the point of ridicule from my friends, and I've always thought of it as kind of a a beautiful medium, even though people are probably, like, rolling their eyes at that. But I I think it's a really powerful... I'm nodding wildly. Yes, yes, and I appreciate the affirmation so much. Um, But, yeah, I've always been really fascinated by the way that art and copy can work together. Um, I've worked in advertising in my career, and social media is kind of, like, the most... Uh, present form of that and so I started posting on my personal account and I was posting all of this political stuff like so much stuff like I was going to protest and I was writing these long paragraphs and honestly like the way I was writing was like come it was like coming out of me in a wow. way I did not expect I was like wow maybe I should be a political speechwriter wow, I was yeah, like yeah. this is like a thing And um, I didn't even realize how mad I was. And I think that is the truth for a lot of us. But then I was like, okay, I I don't wanna keep annoying my family and friends with all this political content, I'm gonna switch it over and start a new thing. Which later I realized that I should have continued to annoy my family and friends, and I still do very much. Um, And that's one of the reasons that I've I've changed my handle. Uh, So originally I created a, a separate account from my personal account called Girl Power Supply. I thought that that was a name that communicated what I wanted to put out there, which was feminist memes, and memes that helped me see the world differently. And I just started posting a lot of stuff like that. And what was super interesting, actually, was that I saw a lot of new accounts that had just started. They all had like 10 followers and because I was looking around for people to follow and stuff. And it was like, wow, everyone who cares about social media is like in this space. Like, yeah, it was it was just the only place to turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the account started to kind of blow up around the women's march the mm-hmm. first women's march because I went into that march with the mission of taking pictures of the funny signs mm-hmm. which now is like an industry totally. but you know at the time I was like this is smart so yeah yeah
1: yeah awesome yeah you said it's I loved how you described it like it is a meme is basically like a really great example of like art and copy communicating something really precise but in an accessible way and i love the way you said that because i always been like had a hard time explaining why i just really love memes for serious content i just find them they they click with me they yeah. actually help me see things in like a unique way and you touched this you touched on this already but i think about this a lot like i love instagram for this purpose and i think it's so cool that more people are using instagram for this purpose and you compared it to tumblr So I'm wondering what what do you think about this medium, you know, makes it good for, you know, activism purposes or for getting people engaged? You know, sometimes I think it's because for better or for worse, that's where we are right now. Like I, you know, I started getting into accounts like yours and I was like, fuck, I'm on Instagram all the time. Mm -hmm. I find Twitter difficult. There's so much news. But I want to be exposing myself to things that are going to teach me things. And like, you know, in, in the industry, you sort of be like, it's referred to as like, meet people where they're at. Everybody's already on Instagram, find them there. But I actually find it to be like, not just, you know, right, we need to be on this platform, but like a really effective way to sort of create and share the content that we want people to see. Why do you think it works so so well for that? Oh, my God. I
2: love that question because yeah. I'm just obsessed with social media yeah. like so much. And, I, and when... I spend my whole day on Instagram, I've started letting myself understand that that's not a bad thing, yes. because I have curated my feed so it's full of people who teach me things, and that's like right. so important. I think recently we've been seeing a lot of people talking about like unfollow people who aren't being productive in your life and who aren't making you better, and that's right. like so, so important across mm-hmm. the board. Um, but as far as how it like differs from Twitter, uh twitter even though i feel like even the people I, I follow like all the good comedians on yeah, twitter yeah. which they're everybody's so funny um but it's really dark yeah and i mean the the humor is great but i don't feel like it, you can get as immersed in one person um like on, on instagram you curate kind of a grid experience whether or not you're thinking about your grid you have kind of like evidence of who you are and who you've been. And, yeah. and you can kind of like go deep dive into, like sometimes I'll find like a new activist who I didn't know. Um, and I am so relieved because I can like go through their body of work. Whereas on Twitter, it's like much more bite-sized. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it, that would take so much longer mm-hmm. uh, to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's also, I mean, a lot of, a lot of memes are from Twitter. Like using people's tweets, but Twitter is super overwhelming for sort of the casual observer. I mean, if you weren't happy, unless tweets like blow up and there's something that everybody's it's, you know, it's the tweet that everybody saw that day. You're not necessarily getting exposed to like all of these voices. It's intimidating. There's so much happening. So I feel like we really like Instagram for that purpose too. like bring these really important things that are being said in this really kind of like inaccessible manic
2: medium and find a way to sort of like present them over yes, here. Totally, and some, an interesting anecdote is like, so when I started this account, I was working at BuzzFeed at the time, and BuzzFeed is a big like test and learning culture, like let's see what works and let's do more of it, and uh, let's learn from what we're putting out there. And so I was doing the same thing with memes, like if I saw that this type of content worked, I would be like, oh, I'll, okay, I'll do more of it. And I did a test actually around tone, and because on Instagram you can only heart something, you can't like retweet the way you can on Twitter, where you're like, am- you can amplify bad news on Twitter easier yeah. than you can on Instagram. Um, well, now it's kind of different because you can share to your story mm-hmm. if it, if it's That's true. Yeah. But yeah, so I, so I did a test around likability, and it was around the time when uh, Puerto Rico experienced like the colossal destruction uh, from the hurricane, and Trump was refusing to acknowledge it. Yeah. And so I posted two different memes about it, two different tweets, and like credited the sources and like post shared them on from Twitter to my Instagram. And one was about, uh, one was framed negatively. Like it was like, oh, you wanted him to talk about Puerto Rico? Well, he did, and he blamed Puerto Rico. And then another one was framed, it was from Lynn Manuel Miranda, I believe. And he was like, he was like, "Oh, you you finally spoke up about this. Well, we're coming for you." And it was like a mes- yeah. message of passion um, from the negative side, and that post performed so much better because people wanted to to engage with something they agreed with. Yes, and so that really changed like the way that I think about about messaging yeah. in, in a political space, especially when when so much is so negative, like. Bitching about it can only get you so far and mm-hmm. and because people won't engage with stuff that doesn't right. make them feel good.
1: yeah. so you mentioned um unlearning. What do you mean by that? And how does that how do you sort of incorporate that into the into the content you share and create? And when did that become a, an important part of the mission?
2: Yeah. so unlearning, when I found that word, I was like, oh my God, that's the word. Yeah. Like that's the thing that I'm doing because um, and that's the thing that so many of us are doing. Because what you're doing is you're learning so much stuff that you didn't necessarily know or didn't need to know um and applying it, and it 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 it's basically telling you that all the systems here, let me say that again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so when i when I found that word, I was like, "Oh my God, that is the word because what you're doing is you're learning stuff, but what you're learning counter contradicts what you already learned. yeah. And that is super hard. That's like not just learning one thing, it's like learning something and learning that it's more powerful and true than something else that you already knew. Yes. And yeah, so like as a white woman, I grew up in Indiana um, thinking that I was, I thought I was like such a Democrat growing up, which is like hilarious. in a not funny way are but, your parents democrats uh, my mom voted for trump yeah. and okay. that's an ongoing conversation that, that she. hard it's it's really complicated complicated um, yeah yeah and my dad didn't vote Got um it. my dad is actually like a great predictor of the zeitgeist so oh, will, that's good i'll update yeah. you on what on his plan yeah
1: it's just funny because my parents always were and they were like we're democrats and they didn't say anything else about it i was just like okay me too yeah But never really interrogated that or was like, what does that mean? Yeah. Do I even know what I mean when I say that I'm for or against this? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you from? Um, I grew up in like the Boston area. And then when I was 12, we moved to North Carolina. Okay, cool. Yeah. And that's actually a little bit more when I was like, oh, yeah, we're different than a lot of these people. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I mean, even like looking back on myself as a Democrat, like I was a... I was a soup. I was a good Republican, rather <laughs> yeah. rather than like <laughs> right, all exactly. Right, That's essentially what I yeah, yeah, right. Like oh my god. Um, and I think it's it's just been wild to see how much further left like totally. I can I can go. Like every day I'm like oh wow I'm not left enough. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. shifting that. Yeah. Um, but but at, again, growing up as a, a white woman, I never had to think about race. And I remember the first time I heard the word Caucasian, and I didn't know what that word meant which is a huge privilege to not yeah. n- know your race. Uh, and that's a privilege that you would only get as a white person, most likely, yeah. um, in in the US. And the, yeah, so when a doctor, it was on a doctor's forum when my mom had dropped me off, and so I was like 12, and it's, it asked for my race, and it said Caucasian, and I was like, what is this? Like, yeah. what is this? And I asked later, I like asked my mom, I was like, mom, are we Caucasian? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> And it was just that, you know, that was the talk, yeah, and right. And so I like just not having to talk about stuff like race is just like an unbelievable privilege, like that I didn't even know until totally. until I started until i I hit around ten thousand followers at the women's March. And I started seeing stuff about intersectionality, and I was like, what's this? And so I, I Googled it, and I learned, and then I sort of learned it on the surface level, like that it just means being inclusive. And then I learned, like, I read Kimberly Crenshaw's original mm-hmm. essays about it, and I was like, oh, wow, like, these different intersections of identity, like, actually affect people in these different ways. And I started to understand it in a more nuanced, complex way, and really, like, I just dove into that reading because it felt like I was going back to school. You know, it was like, oh, my God, this is the most mind-blowing thing. It was like the world is completely different than I thought it was. So, yeah, Yeah. that's unlearning to me. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So we wanted to talk a little bit about cancel culture. You mentioned it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, as we talk about this, we both want to acknowledge I'm a white cis woman, Jen is a white cis woman so there's obviously something missing from this conversation and people will bring that to your attention and so I'm wondering what your experiences are with that and you said you've sort of changed how you both react to it and sort of take part in it yourself
2: well I don't even know I don't even know if it really existed yeah like true. a while ago but or before I started the account Um, but I have such like I have so many thoughts on this yeah I'm glad you asked about it
1: it's something um, i think has surfaced recently for a lot of people too totally yeah,
2: totally because i mean it's happening left and right right because yeah. every everybody is problematic and right. we're we're confronting yeah that. we're
1: at like a problematic like critical mass it's like all right, everybody's <laughs> a problem what do we do that's now? exactly yeah.
2: that's exactly what it is and so my biggest issue with cancel culture is that it doesn't work on like two fronts sure one people aren't ever actually canceled by mm-hmm. it. Like Louis C.K. is still doing shows. Sean Spicer is just is on Dancing with the Stars. I just saw mm-hmm. him in like yeah. a, a <laughs> frilly top. You know, he's living his best life. Having a blast. Yeah. And, and so it actually doesn't work to like get people out of the spotlight. It doesn't like ship them off to this island where we can't ever talk to them right. again. And so it's like if these people are still going to be in the spotlight and they're still going to exist – how can we how can we confront them in a way that actually sh- like shifts their perspectives and helps them understand because i mean it's and it's so nuanced right because there's there's also the the side about tone policing and tone policing is a huge is a huge reason that cancel culture like is okay for a certain group yeah. of people because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if everyone's familiar with the term tone policing, but it's basically the idea that if you are, let me think of how to, how to say this. Um, it's like, if you are a black woman and you're mad that someone did something racist, you shouldn't have to be nice mm-hmm. in response, which is absolutely true. You should not. Um, and so often you see the people complaining about cancel culture are white yes. cis people like yeah. us, and um, we're like, oh my god, we're just all doing our best. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the nuance is because it's it's not about doing your best. It's about it's about like understanding, like seeing callouts as a, hang and on, I lem- think recognizing that doing your best is not enough always yes like you can exactly. say I did
1: my best you know I sometimes I used to react to things like oh my god I feel like I know so much I feel like I work so hard to know as much as I can but like I can't change who I am and, ha- and what I've been exposed to I can just work on that every day but like yeah that's not that's not a, a, a correct reaction I did my best well your best is not yeah it's not necessarily your fault that it wasn't enough but like in this case it you miss something.
2: Yeah. And yeah. it's also like in exchange for you missing something like that, that is hard. That can feel hard yeah. like it can feel like you're behind. But you like on the other side of the coin, you can be like me and not have known what your race was until you were sure. 12 right, years right. old yeah. because you didn't have to know. So it's yes. like 12 years of my life that I didn't have to deal with that. And yeah. so those like those things are like completely incomparable, like this small amount of discomfort that you're
3: feeling mm-hmm. versus
2: like years and years, and years.
3: A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now.
1: SNL casted somebody named Shane Gillis who as soon as they announced that he had been cast it came out that he had said some like pretty unforgivable things about um, gay people people Asian Americans people of Asian descent things that were just like unforgivable and I, I as I was observing this because there's been a bit more skepticism for cancel culture lately I feel like he sort of this sort of came into the news while people are starting to question that and I feel like he was almost treated too generously because he this happened to him. I mean, he did it to himself, but this experience happened to him at a moment where we're all sort of questioning the utility of, you know, withholding opportunities from people because of how they've behaved in the past. And I've been thinking a lot about how like I think it's like a mis, misattributed, like what he did is not. I mean, just Google it. It's not, mm-hmm. it's really, and also he didn't apologize. Yeah. It's not really something you can say like, and he did it last year. <laughs> so it's not like I've grown yeah. since then. I'm better now. I'm so sorry that I did this and said this. Um, but yeah, that's that's like a, a slight concern oh. I have as we move forward is like misattributing giving, being too generous to people For who don't sure. deserve it because we think we're trying to be more skeptical at how we apply cancel culture. It's just like, well, he's the first dude that sort of had a serious thing happen for sure you know as we've started you know Andrew Yang against whom he used a slur was like I don't think he should have been fired I think we shouldn't be so punitive about people which I agree we shouldn't be so punitive but this is the sort of like a perfect example of when it's appropriate that that person I mean it's similar I mean to what people you know said about Brett Kavanaugh. it's like we're not saying he should some well some of what Brett Kavanaugh did was a crime yeah but you know it's not we're not saying he needs to go to Prison forever. We're saying he can't be a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, like, we're not going to get gonna, the highest honor gonna, in the yeah, land. Yeah, we're not like withholding this guy's First Amendment rights and yeah. trying to send him away. We're saying what you did disqualifies we're you. are work at from a local a SNL, courtroom, okay? Right? Or people like, just, yeah. Yeah. You Own, can get, start
2: an improv theater in your hometown. Like, <laughs> you're you going to be fine. Any
1: other job. What advice would you have for people who want to get more involved, be more vocal on their platforms about social
2: justice, but are worried about getting things wrong? I think. I think it it is a lot about understanding that if somebody calls you out, that is a gift. And mm-hmm. even if they do it in a way, it, it's, it's on you, the person who's, especially if you're trying to break into a social justice space, or like talk about social justice, it's on you to understand that someone might not send you a thoughtful response right. that's like, hey, this was racist. Like someone right? might be yeah. like, fuck you, this is racist, I'm yeah. blocking you. And it's on you to be like, what? like you're probably going to be hurt by that language, but it's on you to be like, oh my God, I hurt this person so much more. And I've been hurt, like contributing to this hurt for a lot yes. of my life. And I'm going to do the research myself to figure out why. And I'm going to apologize and I'm going to correct it. Yeah. Um, there, Erica Hart is an activist that I follow. Highly recommend following, yeah. following them. But um, the, they always say, say, sorry, mean it, own it correct it and those are like the four tenants that I love I love to like keep in my head like and and the correct it is the most important one because that might not just be like Oh, I'm I'm posting an apology, um, or like I'm I'm sharing another article about race. Yeah. It's like a, that's like a lifelong commitment to the mm-hmm. correction. Yeah, and yeah. So th- I love I love those four. Yeah, points. I feel like
1: you just touched on this, but I also wanted to ask. You know, what's the best way to respond if you are confronted by someone who feels offended or excluded by something you said or did?
2: Um, yeah, I yeah. think it, I think. Oh, that I had written that down. It's yeah. like for the previous right. question, but um, yeah, just be open, be open to that dialogue and understand that, like, I, I did a a story a long time ago that I haven't gone back and rewatched. It's saved in my highlights. But Mm -hmm. it's called How to Talk to White People About Race. And it's like based on a lot of conversations I've had with my conservative mom. And one of the things in it is like, be, be slow and careful. Because basically, what you're doing is you're telling somebody that like the color blue doesn't exist mm-hmm. and like even though they've seen the color blue you are like no it's not a color like mm-hmm. the whole time it's not been a color like people just told you it was a color and so you think it was one like yeah. you're you're altering an aspect of their reality like com- and it, and that doesn't happen like overnight and in the same sense that like when you're receiving that information it doesn't happen immediately like you have to I, I still learn all the stuff that I like different way, different microaggressions that I do. Like I really, I was just talking to a friend the other day and I was like, Oh my God, I like did something. <laughs> I, yeah. did, I did something bad last week. And like, you know, um, Are I, people
1: around you ever like, that's not bad. And you're like, no, it is like uh,
2: sometimes. Yeah. And actually sometimes it's like people of the marginalized group really? that I'm yeah. like, Oh God, I like did something bad. Uh, uh, like if we'll be, we'll be talking about it. Um, and I'm just like, still, it made me feel gross and I'm not going to do it because I think, and and it's not on me to be like, what is your level of like internalized misogyny or anti-blackness or whatever. It's not on me to like diagnose that for other people who aren't white women. But, um, that's something I think about. I think, and I think
1: you, I think I read this. I think you said this on your account at some point, which is like, if let's say you misgender somebody, like falling to your knees and apologizing effusively, it's awkward for them. Yeah, Like you're making it about you, even if you don't mean to be like performing it. Like think about if you ever have in your life decided like you might have felt anxious and you decided to correct somebody and you never feel great when then they're just like... Exceedingly apologetic And like oh my god I'm so dumb I can't believe I did that I'm so sorry Oh I said this about you it's just like Yeah just don't like Do it again Yeah (laughs) Just like like,
2: say sorry Mean it Acknowledge you did it Say I'm sorry
1: Thank you for pointing it out Yeah
2: Yeah Exactly Don't like
1: force them To do the labor Of reassuring you That it's all okay And totally yourself
2: And now I remembered The thing I was gonna say Um, It's when Say someone like Say you offend someone And they don't want To have anything To do with you after it Like let them have that, yeah point of view. One of the people who I've learned the most from in terms of racial justice education, uh, I'm not gonna use a name, um, but they blocked me on Twitter, and I don't remember what I did. Like it must have been a long time ago because I went, I, I didn't really normally engage with this person's tweets. and I like went back to find a tweet that I had seen, and I was like blocked. and I was like, oh my God shit yeah I did something that offended like <laughs> yeah. somebody that I like look up to so much and I think like I then later that week I saw a tweet that was like sometimes people are gonna block you and like you just have to sit yeah. with it because you also want to be able to like control your space and both of those things are so important and like about adhering to boundaries on both sides is like so important so yeah um being able to sit with that discomfort of like yeah i I did something racist and I don't get access to this person anymore because of it mm-hmm. is part of it and that it's hard, but yeah. it's part of it.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so a lot of what you do on your account is sort of acknowledge how your everyday experiences and responsibilities, even the mundane can be very different than other people who who don't have the same degree of privilege. You recently went on a trip and shared a lot of information about like <laughs> a lot of things, people who are a certain size or skin color or ability to completely take for granted when they travel and travel is also a situation where people tend to get irritated with anyone who needs like special accommodations. That's also why it really stuck mm-hmm. with me is just like all the things, invisible things I might not be seeing that causes this person's experience to be different than mine that I might even not always be, you know, sympathetic to when it's like I've been delayed for four hours or whatever. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you did that while you were presumably on a vacation. And so how do you sort of balance everybody's kind of like human need to disengage every now and then with the responsibility you feel to stay informed and acknowledge these things around you
2: and how they affect you differently than other people? That's a great question, and thank you for paying attention to my yeah. content. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So, I mean, I was on this, I was on this trip that, like. Basically, my my old roommate and I, he just moved. So it was like a, a farewell trip. Oh. Um, but we bought really cheap flights to get a lot of miles. And we went like to six countries in two oh weeks. God. I mean, it was very taxing. Very taxing. Yeah, But I, I, part of the thing about combining my accounts is that I want to be more accountable it, as a person. And I think before I combined the two accounts, I was able to kind of separate like, oh, I travel here and i and I talk about activism here. but like, no, i I while going on this trip, it, I could tell I had internalized kind of the merging of them because mm-hmm. on our second flight, I yeah, on no, on our third flight, which was on day two. It was a wild trip. Um, but on our <laughs> third flight, like, yeah, I was like, I was like, gosh, we are so like lucky to be able to do this. Not only in terms of money, even though they were like not very expensive. Like he, yeah. he used a whole matrix thing to find yeah. the cheapest flights. Um, but like even in terms of money, in terms of ability to take time off, in terms of uh, like not having racism, not having racist incidents occur when we went, Through security Um Like not having Ableist Uh Not having Shitty ableist stuff Happen while we went Through security Um you know that like a lot of sizeism stuff mm-hmm. that that occurs, um, and and people being fat phobic on planes. Like yep. I was I was really thinking about how privileged we were. And it, there's you use the word invisible, which is an amazing word when we talk about privilege. There's an essay that if anybody hasn't read, I recommend reading called "Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack," mm-hmm. and it's just a great. Invisible knapsack is just a great metaphor for privilege because it's all these tools you kind of have with you. um, And that's just a great, like, checklist. It's specifically about racism. But um, I was really thinking through all those things. So even though I was on vacation, I was just, like, thinking about them. Like, now I I wouldn't even – I wouldn't really call this platform work. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just become the way that I think about the world now. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, I feel so honored to be able to – share that information and also to like think I, I feel like a better not that I'm not that I'm a good person <laughs> well let me let me think on that. it sounds like you are uh, but I mean <laughs> yeah I don't I feel I feel better than I would have felt like four years ago like yeah. before I started this account I was working on a book proposal that has since let's we should all burn it together because it was so (laughs) awful it was called around the world in 18 dates and it was like a book about travel and dating and like dating using tinder to see the world and it like it was basically a glorified blog but it was also just a gross display of privilege and there's a a tweet that's been going around and i can't think of who wrote it but i've been thinking about it a lot um that says in hell they just make you hang out with yourself from four years earlier yeah (laughs) so funny and i've been thinking about that a lot as it relates to social issues because like i can't even stand to hang out with myself from six months ago i look back on my feed and i'm like oh my god like you were being so performative like oh my god you're so gross and so i think like (laughs) that like evolution you know it, it it's it's a great thing and so we have to think of it that way
1: yeah that sounds like a great note to end on. Thank you so much, Jen. Of course, awesome. thank you. And for you can, we'll me. put more links of where you can find Jen um, in the show notes in the podcast. Thank you so much,
3: Betches.